Oh, hallelujah. Can we lift our voices and give our Lord Jesus all the praise? Come on, let's give Him glory like He deserves it. We, he is King. He is Lord. We worship You, Holy God. We exalt Your name. Glory, 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 glory. I was glad when they said, let us go out to the house of God. Amen. How are you glad you're in the house of God tonight? How you came expecting? Once again, I just want to thank my pastors, Apostle Theo and Dr. Beverly, for this wonderful opportunity. I count it a great privilege and an honor to be here. It's exciting to see what God is doing here, what's happening at Christian Family Church Johannesburg, and the powerful change and the way that you're impacting your society. Family, never give up. This is a time where we need to be the church. This is a time when our nation needs us. And we are here to make a difference. And you and I are that difference in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you came expectant for the word of God? Father, we thank you once again for your precious presence. We thank you for your grace that abounds in our lives. We receive the gift of righteousness. And as such, we reign in this life. Father, we've come to hear from your word today. I thank you for the privilege of being a voice to your word. I thank you for the anointing that's upon it. And by your grace... I believe I speak your word with clarity and accuracy. As your word goes forth, you'd ignite it with your presence. Take it deep into the heart of every hearer, which causes faith to rise and dispels every form of fear. As minds are renewed to your word, understanding replaces confusion. I believe that each and every one of us today are transformed from glory to glory. For this we give you alone the praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Family, if you're ready to receive, would you shout amen? amen. Praise God as you see that open your Bible once again at Exodus chapter 20. Could I have a little more bass on the platform, please? Thank you. How many of you were here this last night or this morning? Can I just see your hand? All right, this morning and last night, we were talking about the Ten Commandments of Faithful Stewardship. And we saw from the Word of God that we are stewards. Remember the parable in Matthew chapter 25? We won't go read it now. But the, Jesus spoke about giving three different men, one five talents, one two talent, and one one talent. And then the one of the five went and multiplied it to be another five. The two multiplied it to be another two. But the one hid the money away and kept it until Jesus returned. When Jesus returned, he asked for an account. And when the person with the five brought five more, Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and? You notice he didn't say successful. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. And because you were faithful over a few things, he rewarded him with a great harvest. And so family of God, here's the thing. We want to be the faithful steward. God has given us so much. And being a faithful steward is not just about how much money you got. We want to be faithful with even the least. And the Bible tells us very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ, the stewards and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found faithful. Let me see how many of you want to be faithful stewards. Keep that hand up and say, Father, today I make a decision to be a faithful steward over everything that you've given me. And so last night and this morning, we began having a look at the Ten Commandments and using them as trigger points to what a faithful steward is. Now, we understand when we talk about the Ten Commandments, they are commands that God set out under the Old Covenant. 
We know that under the new covenant, Jesus became a curse for us to redeem us from the curse of the law. But you notice he said that he didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And Jesus is the only man who could ever fulfill the entire old covenant, and he did. And in his death and resurrection, he paid the price and made the way that when you receive him as Lord and Savior, you receive that righteousness as your gift. Is that good news? Amen. And so now as the righteousness of God, he says we are also blessed with the same grace, the same blessing that was given to Abraham. Remember God told Abraham that you, I will bless you, and in blessing you, you will be a blessing. And so when I look at the Ten Commandments, I look at them not as a bunch of rules, but that is my lifestyle now. And I use the example, for example, when you look at the first covenant, the first Ten Commandments, one commandment number one is you will have no other gods before me. Because God delivered them, he says you'll have no other gods. I'm saying, why would I want another god? So I read it this way. God says, I deliver you. You're only going to want to serve me. And you say amen to that. And so we took the first commandment. We said, number one, we want to put God first. Then we saw in the second commandment is that we mustn't have any idols. We said that means we're not going to worship natural things. The third commandment is to not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And that means we're not going to use God's name for selfish motives. And then number four, he says that we must work for six days and then rest on the seventh, called the Sabbath. And we said, okay, let, how's that going to count to us as stewards? Well, we're going to be wise stewards of our time and our energy and our finances. In other words, I'm going to trust God that if I work six days honoring Him in those six days and then take a seventh day and set it apart just for His glory and not work on that day, God will bless those six days to go further than if I try to work seven on my own. It's important to be a good steward. If He gives me uh, finances, if He gives me increase, if He gives me a blessing, then He said the tithe is His then I'm going to set aside one-tenth. I know God can make 90% stretch much further than I can try and work with 100. How many you say amen to that? And so tonight we're going to carry on having a look at the fifth commandment. Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Now, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 that this is the first commandment with a promise. It's the first commandment with a promise. And he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. He says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, that it may be well with you, that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. How many of you want your life to be well? How many of you want your life to be long? We see here a command to honor father and mother. Now, why did God command children to honor their father and their mother? Because that's where they're going to learn about God. As parents, we stand in a, an amazing role knowing that our children are watching us all the time. You know, sometimes people say, don't do as I do, do as I say. No, kids are watching everything we do. And they start to mimic the way we live. Have you noticed how little boys start to walk like their fathers? Without even trying. It just happens because they're watching and they're learning. 
And so as parents, I want to recognize, if I'm going to be a wise steward, then number five, teach your children. Model stewardship in front of your children. Let children see what you're doing. You know, sometimes people will say, you know, you wonder where they are, why the children are not here in church, or why the children are not going to children's church. And they say, well, my child doesn't want to go to church. I don't want to force them to go where they don't want to go. Oh, so when they wake up on Monday and they don't want to go to school, you say, that's fine. Monday to Friday, you go to school. Isn't that right? Sunday, you go to church. We're going to church. We're going to serve God. Watch daddy do it. Come with me. I don't care if you're tired. I don't care what's happening. We're going to go before God, and we're going to honor God. Have you say amen to that? See, our children are watching and learning about our relationship with money from us. If we keep saying things, you know, all our problems will be solved just as soon as we get more money. What's happening with our children? They're realizing your solution is money. I don't want to misrepresent God before my children. God is my solution. Ham, you say amen. See, the Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, this is from the New Living Translation, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Could we be teaching our children to despise God? If we say money is our everything and money we need and money we've got to have, and when the money doesn't come, then where is God? No, when I serve God, I take my children aside. When it's time for us to tithe, we took them as little children. We put the tithe together in an envelope. We sat down around the covenant meal, the, 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 the bread and the, and the grape juice, and we had covenant over the tithe. They saw Daddy tithe. Daddy and Mommy tithe together verbally with our children. They understood we are trusting God. Look how God has blessed us. We're giving back to Him. Everything we do is for our God. When we pray, we pray in tongues in front of the children. Whatever we do, we're doing to serve God. We want to model stewardship to our children. Model tithing, model worship, model praying, and also explain to them the reason why. Number six, the sixth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. Now, this one needed a little bit of work. How do you map that into financial stewardship? Well, try this one. Number six, create a budget and use it. Create a budget and use it. Can we say, you shall not murder your finances? <laughs> you see, if we don't have a budget, we are killing our finances. I know what it's like when you get a whole bunch of money and you, you just hope it kind of lasts till the end of the month. And before you know it, the month's still going on and the money's finished. How many of you found out many times there's more month than money? And the reason for that is because I didn't know where all my money was going. I just, you know, got my salary and kind of hoped it would get through. And by, you know, how many of you know what it's like when they, remember the advert that we used to have, the beginning of the month, salty cracks, middle of the month, salty cracks, end of the month. How do you remember that advert? For those that haven't seen it, beginning of the month, salty cracks, it's piled with caviar and everything. Middle of the month, it's kind of got some cheese and a gherkin on it. And then end of the month, it's just the cracker. You know, because we didn't know how to stretch the month out. 
And so we must make a decision. If we're going to be wise stewards, we need to know where our finances are going. Luke chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus said, Which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? You see, this is the thing. You've probably heard it said, we plan, if we plan, we plan to fail when we fail to plan. Beware of where your finances are going every month. Make a decision. If you're going to be a wise steward, every time you spend money, write it down. Every time. Every time. If you give someone 10 rand, write it down. If you spend money buying food, write it down. If you spend money on some clothes, write it down. Do that for at least six months and then go and have a look where all your money is going. And only when you see where your money is going can you start to make a plan. You can say, I want to get through the month. I want to make sure that my finances are able to take me through the month. Now, we're trusting God for more, but I need to make this month's salary get me through this month. And I need to make the necessary adjustments. And so you make the adjustment. You say, okay, we've been going to the movies far too often. We're going to cut down on that. You know, we've been going to the restaurant. We've got to cut down on that. And you start to cut down on those things. Once you've made a budget, stick with it. Should we go back and look at the first, second, and third commandment again? No, we're going to make a decision. doesn't matter how much that thing's saying, buy me, buy me, buy me, buy me, and it's shouting at you from the TV. You know, when it's time to upgrade, they phone you. Your contracts come to an end. Get the newest, get the biggest, get the fastest. Is it in your budget? No, then you don't get it. If it's not in the budget, don't buy it. Set a budget, stick to the budget. Bump your neighbor and say, it's getting real now. Tell them, set a budget, stick with your budget. The seventh commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. Including with your money. What's that mean? Number seven, live within your means. Live within your means. You see... Adultery simply happens when someone is not content with who they've got. Speaks to bad content. I'm not content. See, Proverbs chapter 5 verse 18 says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. You see, I heard Jesse DePlanter say one day, you know, if you married for all, you know, the beautiful and the model and the car, you know, the, the hair and everything, take photographs because it's going to change. <laughs> you didn't marry for that. You married because you love. Can I get a bigger amen? Malachi chapter 2, God was dealing with them around their offering and he was talking about how they were making his offering a profane thing. And it's interesting that he brings in this concept. He says, they're saying, why? What's the matter that you don't accept our offering? And God says, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you've dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Your wife by covenant, not your wife by lust. Not your wife by goosebumps. Not your wife by honeymoon feelings. 
It's a wife by covenant. And covenant says there are days when I don't feel like it, but you are my wife. I love you because you are my wife. I refuse to look anywhere else. Can I get a bigger amen? And so family, if we take that concept about covenant and I'm content because the wife that God has given me is the wife that I'm going to keep. That's the wife I'm going to live with. Then when God gives me provision, he knows what provision I need. And I must learn to be content. Philippians chapter 4 verse 11, Paul says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. Now notice, circle the word learned. I've learned to be content. Content isn't natural. That's why advertising works so well. They know you're not content naturally. And they always say, buy bigger, more, get faster, get higher. Are you with me? They know how to work on our emotions. I have to learn to stare that thing in the face and be content. I don't need one more camera lens. It's working. Hello. Come on now. I need to learn to be content. Now, if you want to, and you want to upgrade, and you've got the means, build it into your budget. And then plan for it ahead of time. See, the only reason we go into debt is because we're buying something today, hoping we can pay for it in the future. Do we really need to be doing that? And so that leads me to the eighth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. So number eight, put it this way. Don't buy now and pay later. See, debt is stealing from your future. I remember when Janine and I got married... I was, you know, I, I wanted to really bless my wife. I wasn't saved, but I wanted her to have a really a honeymoon of her dreams. And so I wanted to think, now, what would be a great honeymoon? And I thought, you know, what could be a better honeymoon than taking my wife to a beautiful island like Mauritius? How many ladies would say, amen, that would be a great honeymoon? And so I went to a travel agent, and I looked at it, and I saw all the different alternatives that three-star hotels, the four-star hotels, and it's just in me. I, I just, you know, I want to do things big. I want to do things great. I want to do things really nice. And so I'm saying, what's the best hotel there? And they showed it to me, and I went, <laughs> okay, that's the price of it. And the agent looked at me and said, don't worry, we've got this plan called fly now and pay later. I said, explain it to me. And she said, well, you go on holiday and you enjoy yourself. You don't have to do anything. You just pay a little deposit. Enjoy your holiday. And when you come back, it's the, 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 there's just these installments that you pay. And I looked at it and I kind of thought, yeah, I, I can afford that. I mean, it's worth it for, you know, such a great, wonderful holiday. And I realized that when I got back, that this lady had not actually sold it correctly to me. She called it a fly now and pay later. It really is supposed to be worded fly now 
and pay later, and pay later, and pay later, and pay later, and pay later. And because I'm still paying for a honeymoon that, I mean, it's, it's gone, it's finished, it's over. We got some nice photographs, but I'm still struggling to make my budget meet. And we are so far behind in debt on so many other things that the memory of that holiday is now tarnished. I'm not even enjoying my future right now because I burnt my future on that honeymoon. Was it really worth it? Took us years to get out from underneath that debt. Family of God, even if my salary improved, I still wasn't able to afford the things that we needed. See, God wired you to live in hope. God built it into you. Listen to this, Romans chapter 8, verse 24. We were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we, do, what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. See, God wired you to look forward to things. Waiting brings joy. Come on, how many of us have ever set our heart on something and we were wise about it and said, you know what, we're not just going to go and buy that thing, we're going to save up towards it. How many of you have ever done that? You set a goal and you saved up towards it and it took long, it took sacrifices, you put things aside, but the day came when you were able to go and buy that. How much joy was there when you said, now, today, it doesn't cost us anything, we've got it and this is what it's for. Didn't that bring you joy? And how much more the day you decided, that's it, we're ready to go and buy it. And this happened to us. Janine and I, we saved up for something and we were ready to buy it. And then God miraculously spoke to someone who didn't even know we wanted something like that. And they came and they gave it to us. Wow! Come on! I mean, I've spent all this year saving for it. Now someone gives it to us. Now I've got the thing and the money still. That's far greater joy than sweating through the debt, the stress of debt. How many you say amen to that? See, even Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. Family, even Jesus knew that to reap us as a harvest, there were some things he had to go through, but he went through it, the pain and suffering of the cross, but he did it with joy. Why? Because of the hope in front of him. Don't rush out and buy things just because you, you want it. Set it forward as a hope. Set your budget to reach for it and plan towards it. And stay within your budget and you will notice that when you get there and you're ready to buy that thing, there's joy without the stress of financial pressure. Is this good news? Remember the word says, thou shalt not steal. Malachi chapter 8. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And you say, in what way have we robbed you? Now, I can understand the question, what fool would steal from God? But they did. And God says, you've robbed from me. And they're shocked. How? <laughs> How can you say, we've robbed from you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me, even this whole nation. 
And God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there's not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land. How many you want to be blessed? Now, let me ask you, how many of you would sit down, if you've got a handbag or a, or, a, or a wallet or something, would you like to know you're sitting next to a thief? Not me. Come on. How about our deacons? How, you know, you want to make sure that if someone's handling the money, you won't let a thief handle the money. And yet God says, if we're not tithing, we're stealing. I don't want to be a God thief. How many you say amen to that? And so God says the tithe is His. If you were here this morning, we looked where the word says the tithe is the Lord's. He determined for that, word, that tithe to be brought to the storehouse. Why? So that the word of God can be preached. And so all that time that I was keeping the tithe back, I realized that was stealing from God. Remember God said all the tithe of the land is mine. All the tithe, not just the Christians. Any income that comes to anybody, the tithe is the Lord's. Isn't that interesting? That means even people who are not saved, whatever income is produced, God considers the first 10% to be His. No wonder the countries are cursed. Because you've got a bunch of people out there. I don't care if someone's an atheist. Whatever they produce, 10% belongs to God. It wasn't just when I became a Christian, now 10% belongs to God. In other words, I've been sinning since the day I was born. But praise God for His grace. By His blood, we are forgiven and we cleansed of that unrighteousness. But from this day on, I'm now going to honor God with His tithe. And notice He says He will open the windows of heaven and that blessing will activate in your life. And He will make sure that your income producing machines, that's your job, whatever investments you have, they will not fail. And God will personally rebuke the devourer for your sake. Come on, give Jesus praise. Amen. Remember Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let him who stole steal no longer, but let him labor working with his hands. What is good? Why? So that he's got something to give. See, we don't work for a living. We work for a giving. Oh, did you get that? We don't work for a living. We work for a giving. And in my giving, my living is produced. Hallelujah. The ninth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Number nine, be a good witness. Family, be a person of excellence. We're serving an excellent God. How do we reflect God to our neighbor? How can we say we serve an awesome God, but our homes are broken? Everything's falling apart. It doesn't take a lot of money to make sure everything's fitted and straightened up. Like I've said before, you may not drive the best car in town. It may even be rusted, but make sure that the parts that aren't rusted are polished. Pick up the banana peels, throw the tin cans away, make it look good. Be a person of excellence, reflect your God. And when you're living as a good steward amongst men, God can honor you. The 10th commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. 
You shall not covet his male nor his female servant. You shall not covet his Land Rover nor his Mercedes Benz. Oh, sorry, his ox or his donkey. Nor anything that is your neighbor's. Number 10, be content. Be content. Family God, Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 says, Put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication. Uncleanness. Passion. Evil desire. And covetousness which is idolatry. Look at the, the neighborhood that covetousness hangs out with. Fornication. What is fornication? Sex with anybody that's not your husband if you're a woman or your wife if you're a man. Marriage, one wife, one husband. One male, one female, that's marriage. Anything else, any sex with anything else is fornication. Can I get a bigger amen? Then uncleanness, evil desire, and covetousness. Covetousness is idolatry. What does that mean? If I see my neighbor's got something, now I've got to get that. That becomes my idol. That's speaking to me more than God. It wasn't God that said, go and get it. It was my neighbor who said, go and get it. Why? Just because he bought it. And I see, he got, oh, he's got a bigger car. I've got to get a bigger car. Then he gets the trailer. I've got to get the trailer. Then he gets the speed. I've got to get the speedboat. Now, family, as long as we allow other people to spend our money, we'll never catch up. How many of you got some good points out of tonight? How many of you believe you received something? <laughs> family God, we're going to trust God from now on. We're going to be wise stewards over everything that we have. And I believe that as wise stewards... When we see God blessing us, instead of wasting it and thinking we can just throw everything away and have an unplanned future, you start to take what God gives you and you consider what He gives you and you handle it accurately. You're going to continue prospering. Just like Isaac began to prosper, you will continue prospering until you become very prosperous. How many of you ready to live that kind of lifestyle? Amen. So then as we go into a time of ministry now, I'm going to ask if the ushers would just go ahead. I want everybody to get an envelope tonight. Even if you scan, just get an envelope. Even if, you're ready to, even if you've given before, just get an envelope tonight. There's something that I want to do. Ushers, can you, deacons, can you quickly hand that out? Grab an envelope because I'm trusting God for a supernatural anointing here tonight. How many of you have noticed that these idols do show up in our lives? The devil tries to distract us. And there are demons of debt. There are demons of poverty. Lack. These are things that try to distract us. But I believe that tonight we're going to break that. God spoke to me very clearly in my life at one particular moment. And it was a significant moment in my life. I had been tithing. I had been giving. And I never saw the breakthrough. And there was one particular day that God spoke to me what it means to tithe and give correctly and give as He instructs. And as I did that, forever we broke the back of poverty out of our lives. That was the day that I saw Janine and I come out of debt. And we are free today. And I thank God we can live in His abundance. And that abundance shows up so that I can be generous in the life of other people. And so tonight as you receive an envelope, the first thing I want us to do is to consider the Lord's tithe 
as holy. Now I know many of you here tonight already are tithers. It's interesting that I want to ask in the church how many of you are tithers. I don't want to do it tonight because I don't want anybody to lie. Because I often say how many of you are tithers and almost all the hands go up. And yet when you speak to the pastor, they say, well, about 20, 30% people actually tithe. You see, tithing is not something I do once a year. Tithing is not something I did once before. If I say, how many of you go to gym and you put your hand up and I say, when was the last time you went? And you say, six months ago. No, you don't go to gym. You're living on the memory of gym. <laughs> going to gym means you went last week and you're going next week. Come on. Can I get a bigger amen? So if you're a tither, that means whatever comes in my hand. Someone can walk up to me and give me 10 rand. One rand belongs to God. That's not even a question in my mind. I don't say, should I tithe, should I not tithe? Like somebody said, do Christians have to tithe? That's like asking me, do I have to kiss my wife? Give me a break. I love my wife. I get to kiss her. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to command me. You don't have to remind me. And you say, amen. Well, when it comes to God, whenever I get something, I know it's God that gave it to me. Even if I find something, God put it in my path. Even if someone gives it to me, even if it's a gift, it's something God gave me. 10% goes to Him. And I want to encourage you tonight, if you haven't been doing that, make a decision. Make a quality decision. From this day on, I'm honoring God with my tithe. It's His tithe. Amen. And so tonight, on that envelope, just right there, I am a dedicated tither. Right on there. Make it, write it. Write the vision down. Make it plain. You're committing to it. It is a commitment before God Almighty. Even if you are already tithing, just write it. Because I'm making a decision. I'm crossing a line from living where the devil has been devouring into a place where I'm going to see God's blessing manifesting in my life. And you know, as a born-again child of God, you're already blessed. Now that blessing must manifest. And as I step into that place of blessing, now here's the next thing that's going to happen. How many of you trust in God for increase to happen in your life? How many of you trust in God that you're fed up with the way things you used to be? Well, now I must make a decision. I have to recognize that According to the Word of God, when you see the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Word is quite clear in verse 6. It says, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves generous people. I said God loves generous people. And then God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you're always having all sufficiency in all things. May have an abundance for every good work. Now family, here's the thing. Sometimes people will say, what are you saying? Every Christian has to be a millionaire? No, I'm saying every Christian should have every need supplied. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many you realize Jesus, he fed 5,000 men plus women and children with bread and fish. Five loaves, two fish. You notice Jesus didn't walk around with pockets and backpacks full of fish. 
When he needed something, he could make a withdrawal for it. You don't have to have a million rand in the bank. If I walked up to you today and say, would you like a million rand? Let me see how many of you wouldn't mind a million rand right now. My next question would be, what are you going to do with it? Number one, tithe. And then with the 900,000 that's left, what are you going to do with that? Most people go, um, uh, 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 pay my car, my house. my. Uh. You see, we don't have a plan. Make a decision. When God blesses me, I know what I'm going to do with it. And make a decision that whenever I need something, I can draw on it. I may not have a million rand in the bank, but I can take on million rand projects because God will supply that need. Amen. And so if I want to see an increase in my life, I must recognize that everything I'm receiving today is based on seed I sowed yesterday. From today on, if I want to see increase, I have to change my seed. If I keep sowing the way I used to, I'll keep getting the same harvest. If I don't sow today, I am scheduling a time of lack in my future. Are you getting this? Makes sense, doesn't it? If I don't put seed in the ground, I can't moan next year when there's no crop. I have to make a decision to put seed in the ground today. Do you know what increase you're believing for? Because if you say, God, please increase me, and then next, year you, next week you go up 10 rand, that is an increase. How many of you know what increase you're looking for? You know that at the moment this is what you're receiving, but you believe in God for this. You believe in God. You want your salary to be X. You want to receive a harvest of whatever the amount is. Decide on what that is. And I want you to write that dream down. God, I need to have finances. It may be to build a children's home. Maybe it is because I want to give so much. I want to give this into the ministry. Whatever it is, trust God. Just write it on your envelope right now. Say this, God, this is what I'm believing for. I don't see people writing. You need to write down. It's write down. I'm believing God for. God will see what you write. Because He only answers what we ask for. Whatever you ask for, believe you receive. And you will have it. Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to receive the envelopes tonight. And it's going to go to the prayer department. You've got staff that can pray every day. And the staff are going to take those envelopes and stand in agreement with you. Because you're in the place of a tither and you've sown seed towards a set vision, we are going to agree with you that that increase happens. I heard five amens out of that one. I said we're going to stand in agreement that that increase happens. How are you ready for that increase? So make a decision. Write it down because that's what we're going to agree with. If you don't write down anything, it's not going to happen. You're going to write it down. So we got something to agree with. The word says, if any two agree touching anything, it will be done for them. We're going to speak life over that every day. Here's the third thing. How many of you know to produce a harvest, you have to plant a seed? You have to plant a seed. See, even in the, in the kingdom of God, Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, given it will be given back to you pressed down shaken together running over everything in the kingdom of God multiplies including nothing if I give nothing it will come back good measure pressed down shaken together running over nothing hallelujah how many you want to see a harvest on your seed then make a decision just go before God right now purpose in your heart 
What is that seed that he's speaking to you about? Sometimes you will hear a seed that you may not yet have in the bank account. Don't be put off by that. That happened to me once. God asked me to give something. I didn't have it. But I knew if he asked me for it, it means it's on its way to me. And the only way I receive every seed has to first be a harvest. So I sowed seed to produce that harvest. And when the harvest came in, I was able to sow it as the seed. So right down there, this is the seed I'm believing God for. And then tonight, take your best seed that you have and put it in that envelope. Because I'm going to pray now over you right now. I'm gonna, I can't have everybody come out. I would love to do it. But time-wise, to lay hands on every single person would not be feasible right now. But how do you know the Holy Spirit's in this room? I'm going to pray a prayer on a corporate prayer anointing. And I want you to have that seed ready because God gives seed to the sower. And that means that you are a sower. And God honors that seed. He will multiply the seed that you have sown. I'm going to declare an increase anointing on that seed. Jesus did say, if we sow for his sake in the gospel, we will see a hundredfold. And you're going to look back on this night and thank God you were here tonight. There were people here this morning put their hand up saying they want this and they didn't come today. You are here. And so you are in the reign of his glory. Amen. I'm going to pray that prayer right now over you. Just raise up that envelope. This is God's hand. This is God's anointing. This is God's house. This is his presence. And God said himself, let none of you come before me empty-handed. You've come with a seed. I'm going to declare that this seed forever. Father, you've seen the dedication. People have written on that envelope that they are tithers. They honor you with their tithe. And as they honor you with the tithe, we remind ourselves the devourer is rebuked. Satan, I come against every foul devil of debt, every foul devil of lack, every foul demon of poverty, and I break your hold off these lives in the name of Jesus. I destroy the work of the enemy. I command you flee. Get out of that household and go in Jesus' name. I speak to the liars of covetousness. Stop with your foul attractions. I bind them in Jesus' name. They will no longer have any effect on us. We resist your work. And you go. Father, I command angels to surround these households, to surround these bank accounts, surround these jobs, surround these businesses, surround these places of income. And now the windows of heaven open above each and every person in the name of Jesus. Just as you commanded your blessing, I call each and every person here blessed, 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 blessed in the name of Jesus. And Father, you see every seed here and you're not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will reap. And I speak life to those seeds. I speak life in the name of Jesus. And Father, I'm asking in the weeks ahead, do a miracle. Do a miracle so astounding that everyone here will know that's because of that day that I sowed that seed. And I call upon that anointing now. Each and every one here is anointed with ability to multiply. Just as you commanded those stewards, 
You gave each according to their ability that it would multiply and increase. And I speak life to each and every household. I call you blessed in the name of Jesus. May your household increase more and more. You and your children in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for wisdom. Everyone here, now that we have assigned our lives as stewards, that whatever you give us, we will wisely use before you. I'm asking for promotions, Father. There are those sitting here today that are ready for their promotion. Let it happen in the new year. Take them higher. I see promotions not just one level, but two levels, three levels. I see people being put in charge of departments, put in charge of branches before their years in the name of Jesus. I see wisdom in investments. Spend time before God. Listen to Him. He'll show you where to invest. I speak favor upon contracts in the name of Jesus. Even though there are competitors that in the natural look like better contracts, your contract will attract the favor of God. They'll sign with you. Because you're a child of God in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, I call your family blessed. Blessed. Say, I am blessed. Say, I am blessed. In Jesus' name.